0: Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 208 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis.
1: And y'all know my name. I'm Barbara.
0: What's happening, Barb? Sober. (laughs) Glad to hear it.
1: (laughs) I got to say, my best friends in the whole wide world have been in town, and so we've been a little crazy. I have not been in
0: town. What do you mean? Yeah, well, you were in Florida. That's true. I was close.
1: You were on the East Coast, and I'm on the West Coast, and it's just been a fantabulous weekend. Lots of wine, lots of alcohol, and lots of sun. And friends, and fun. Nice. There you have it.
0: So here we are, episode 208. I know. You know what that means, right? What does that mean? Well, I went to public school, so I had to get out my calculator, and I figured out that there's 52 weeks in a year. Right. 208 divided by 52, that's four. That means we've been doing this for four years. Damn. Isn't that nuts?
1: It honestly is, but I'll tell you what, I'm super proud of it.
0: Yeah, we should be.
1: I say this often, but we still get along pretty well. Barely. For all of you listening, Elvis wanted to record this yesterday and I might have been out and about and my friend might have been texting him saying, we can't do this now because we are partying. So (laughs) I had to make amends when I rolled out of bed on a Sunday morning and go, holy shit, I got to make sure Elvis knows that I'm available. So
0: Actually, what hurt more was, can we do this tomorrow? No, we're going to the beach. (laughs) That's what hurt more. I'm like, really? Well,
1: yeah, (laughs) got up and went for a five-mile walk, and then we said, should we go to the beach? And I'm like, no, let's just go outside. So we're actually going to lay out on my back porch in 85-degree, perfect, beautiful Florida weather, and enjoy our afternoon.
0: Well, let's talk about this Florida weather, because I was just down there last week, and it rained most of the time. (laughs) Aww, sorry about your luck. Yeah, what's up with that? So I was down there visiting some fantastic labs
1: oh i know because i saw a lot of that on facebook which i love
0: one of them was not yours by the way none of them were. yeah because apparently florida is a little bigger than i thought you see i'm from the midwest so i think one side of florida is like five miles from the other side of florida
1: oh because that's how the
0: rest of the country thinks yeah and apparently it's not
1: a couple hours
0: drive i would have lost the whole day going out to tampa totally but there's a lot of labs down there is it it's got to be the most labs per population. It's got to be. I mean, I know there's a lot of dentists. seemed like every corner there was a dentist down there. Yep. I guess it's just the aging population that lives down there. I don't know. Except for me. Except for you, forever young. But I spent four days stopping by all sorts of labs. Small labs, big labs, all fixed, all removable. It's really inspiring to see so many labs all down there doing their thing and really succeeding at it. Mm -hmm. It's pretty amazing. Of course, the common theme, everyone's looking for employees. Totally. Everyone's looking for trained employees. Good luck with that. Yeah, but the nice thing is is this week's episode, we kind of touch upon how we might be able to help fix that problem a little. Of course. So do you remember a while ago we recorded with a lady, Whitney Courtney McCartney? Of course, I do. Yeah, yes. we talked to her when we were at the Whitmix Digital Forum. Yep, so when I was down in Florida, I stopped by her lab, a beautiful lab. Cool. And she was telling me that she's doing a pretty cool webinar coming up with Roland all about using their C clamp. I felt bad for her because she was supposed to do this in Chicago.
2: Yeah. And
0: because of COVID, she didn't get a chance to go. So I wanted to just make a mention of it and put a link up on this episode's show notes for the webinar that's happening on April 28th. So go check it out and take your full arch milling to the next level. Do
1: that for sure. It's
0: Pretty cool.
1: Oh, and of course, we have to bring up, they are still not sold out, but they're close. The DLAT conference is happening in, I think, uh, a week, two weeks?
0: Two weeks, roughly.
1: April 1st and 2nd near the DF. Airport, and you and I will be there all weekend recording at the pre-booth, which I can't wait. So if you miss Chicago and you're just dying to get around friendly dental people, head over to the DLAT.org and register for this meeting, which I can't wait. And if you we do go,
0: come see me speak. I'm talking about stud attachments. It's exciting I you stuff.
1: Are, you big stud. Yeah, there you go. Oh, go it.
0: Of course, I've done it a few <laughs> times. It's an hour. This time, it's an hour and a half. So... There will be long nice. pauses between each word <laughs> to make it last an hour and a half. Smart, man. <laughs> so four years ago on this Monday, Barb and I got together to record our first episode of Voices mm-hmm. from the Bench. I don't know if you remember this, Barb, but that very first time I couldn't even get the software to work. Oh, yeah.
1: And it was actually
0: our guest... That got us connected on her Zoom account.
1: Wasn't that, who was that? Let's bring her up. Well,
0: that's Renata Bundy.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Being a big fan of education in our industry, our first guest ever was Renata that runs the Restorative Lab Technology Department at the New York City College of Technology. And for our second... And our third year anniversary episodes, we had her back on to update us on what's happening in dental laboratory education. That means
1: we're consistent, you know.
0: And of course, for the fourth year, now we're having her on again to talk about what's happening at the school. But this time she brings a very exciting guest with her. Past student and current professor and an in-office lab technician, Jamie Rubin.
1: Yeah, she's got a
0: lot going on. Jamie talks about growing up in a dental family her experiences going through the program, and what it's like going back as a professor teaching the next generation of dental technicians. So join us as we chat with Renata Budney and Jamie Rubin. Whitmix, known today for its digital equipment and materials, has always been known for decades as the leader in occlusion products with its Whitmix, Hanau, and Dinar articulators and facebows. The most popular of these is the Dinar Mark 300 series articulator. These popular semi-adjustable instruments are engineered for superior performance and tested thoroughly based on proven methodology. They bring a new standard of interchangeability with factory set accuracy within 20 microns. With their sleek ergonomic design and powdered coated finish, these articulators have a contemporary look that is as durable as it is aesthetically pleasing. The Denar Mark 320 Articulator features adjustable condyle inclination with 0 to 60 degrees and progressive side shift fixed at 15 degrees. The Denmar Mark 300 comes complete with dust cover, 10 magnetic mounting plates, instructions, and standard black carrying case. Head over to witmix.com to order one today. And as always, we appreciate your support of the podcast, Witmix. Is your lab in a position to take on new customers? Do you have the capacity to service more doctors? America Smiles has helped hundreds of labs across the country to acquire new dental accounts. They're the biggest name in dental laboratory marketing. Don't waste time mailing and calling hundreds of doctors just to see poor results and hear overwhelming rejection. Let America Smiles do all the heavy lifting for you. For just $195 a month, the America Smiles One Voice program will help you skip to the front of the line. They'll prospect your local or target area, produce your creative marketing, and do all the cold calling to leave you with extremely qualified appointments, guaranteed to help you find your ideal clients and grow your business. Visit americasmiles.net one voice. That's americasmiles.net backslash one dash voice to learn more about how you can increase your lab's bottom line. Use the promo code VoicesFromTheBench, all one word during checkout, to qualify for a month-to-month agreement, enabling you the freedom to cancel the marketing service anytime. If you'd like to speak to an agent who can answer your questions about a time-tested, completely-done-for-you approach to marketing, please give them a call at 708-279-9031. Join America Smiles, One Voice, today. Getting new dentists to try your lab has never been easier. And we appreciate your support of the podcast, America Smiles. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. We are super excited to have on the program again our good friend and past guest for the fourth time for our fourth year Renata Bundy, how are you today?
2: I am just wonderful and loving being here with you guys. Congratulations on your fourth year.
1: Thank you. Thank you. you. We actually made it without killing each other.
0: (laughs) There has been some pain, but no one's dead. Much smoother than my actual marriage, so we're good.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And we love you for Not much
0: to compare to. Thank you. (laughs) Well, again, thank you, Renata. As our first guest, we welcome you back on the program. But you're not alone. You're joined by Jamie Rubin. How are you?
3: Hey, how's it going?
0: Going pretty good. I had a brief meeting with you at Lab Day Chicago. I call it the escalator meeting.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You were going
0: down, I was going up, and you're like, what, hello, hi, okay.
3: It was a run by (laughs) greeting. (laughs) Drive by. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, we have you both on because you're both connected with the New York school the New York City College of Technology. Now, Renata, we've talked to you many times. We know that you basically run the show over there, right?
2: Well, not exactly, but I've been there for 18 years, so it's kind of like it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Jamie, you've been through the program, and now you're teaching there.
3: Yeah, it feels like almost everyone who teaches there went through the program themselves, so it's kind of only natural When uh, Renata pulled me back in to say, okay, sure, let's do this. (laughs) Why not? So
0: Jamie, since this is your first time, let's hear about how you got interested in dental technology and why you went to the school.
3: Yeah, this was a career shift for me. I was in the fine arts world for a while, mostly doing art fabrication, uh, which is not very far off from dental lab. You make someone else's work and then they take the credit for it. Oh, nice. Wait, Uh what?
0: You're like a ghost artist?
3: Kind of. You either help the artist create their vision or you just fully make it for them. I I had no idea that was... I know. I, I never even knew that was a thing. Wow. Yeah, kind of like technicians, we make the teeth, and then the doctors take the take the Interesting credit. Interesting analogy. I agree
0: with you on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to find one
3: of you, and I'm going to become an artist. Yeah, <laughs> oh, this is great. It's true. I'm going to go to work for <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, so I was doing that for a few years, and just kind of got tired of the industry. It just wasn't like a very authentic.
0: <laughs> I would say so.
3: People, yeah. What type of art
0: were you doing?
3: all sculpture-based art, some metalwork, some stone, fiberglass, kind of whatever people needed. Oh, wow. Um, I went to School of Visual Arts in Manhattan and got my BFA from there. So that kind of prepared me for working in all different mediums. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so that was cool, but then I was like, this isn't for me. And my mom and brother are dentists, and over the years I spent a lot of time in the office, kind of working every job in there, and they talked me into trying this out. Went to the school, fell in love with it immediately. It was like zero to 100. And then from there, kind of off to the races. was no looking back.
1: What was your favorite class when you went to school?
3: That's tricky.
1: The one that Renata taught. (laughs) Yes.
3: All of Renata's classes. Those are my favorite. That
2: would definitely be a safe bet. Yeah. (laughs) We have a lot Uh, of great classes though.
3: Yeah. All the classes are, I mean, all the fixed procedontes, the ceramics, the CAD CAM give a, a class on occlusion, which is the last semester, which I really enjoyed because some more advanced concepts. So if you you just kind of get a little bit of everything while you're there, just building a foundation.
0: So when you went to the school, you of course had your experience with your. Did you say your mother and your brother are dentists? Yeah. Did you feel that you were prepared when you showed up at school,
3: or somewhat? I mean, before I went, I you know found one of their morphology books and learned. You know, what are the surfaces of the teeth and what, you know, just basic morphology of it. So gave me a bit of a leg up, I guess. Mm
1: -hmm. And no stress having your mom is a dentist, right?
3: (laughs) No stress at all.
1: (laughs) No pressure. You know,
3: it did really help me prepare because I work in an in-house lab now. So like I understand how doctors' minds work and like how they can be like stressed out and how to handle that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's a life wasn't... skill, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's something you have to learn.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what was the first thing they taught you? What was, like, class one? Class one, that's a great question.
3: I guess you have four first classes all at once. You have a morphology class, which I had with Renata, which was, of course, great.
0: Mm-hmm. Of course, of
3: course. <laughs> of course. We have a crown and bridge class, which we call fixed prosthodontics. We had a dentures one, and Renata, what's the other? Dental materials. Ah, yes. Non-metallic dental materials.
0: Non-metallic? Mm-hmm. Interesting.
3: We have a separate class on metallurgy in a, in a different semester.
0: Wow, I had no idea. And they throw all this at you at the first semester?
3: Oh, yeah. Just drop you into the water and you got to swim. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so when you teach morphology, Renata, how do you even start? Do you just say, like, this is a tooth, this is the buckle? Yeah. Is, it, is it that basic?
2: Pretty much like Jamie said, put them in the water, let them swim. But uh, we do a lot of waxing. We do sculpturing of the teeth. So we wax individual teeth and pretty much about 20 20 wax-ups, I I believe we do throughout the 15-week semester. And we learn also didactic, which is the theory. And we go through each and every tooth. We go through functions, how they develop, you know, a little bit of everything and some more in-depth than the other. But it's it's pretty intense and a lot involved. And, you know, for the first year student who comes from high school or from, you know, another profession, it's a lot. And so yeah. you know, learning the dentures and fixed and morphology and ma- dental materials, it's a lot. But when you think about it, we only have two years and each semester is 15 weeks. They have 30 weeks during the whole year to teach them all concepts of dental technology. So we do have limited time. So we have to push it fast. So do you
1: find as a teacher, Renata, when you have students going through in all of those different elements, do some of them just naturally gravitate to, you know, dentures or CAD CAM and, and how do you keep them all interested in all the facets, you know, when you know, they might not be as gifted in one of those, how do you, how do you keep them driven? I'm sure it can get frustrating as a student.
2: Oh, absolutely. And the students do, especially because they have so much to learn. And if they miss some classes, you know, or they don't understand certain concepts, they seem to to fall behind. And, and some students come for different reasons. You know, oftentimes students cannot get to dental hygiene or radiologic technology. And they come to us, you know, thinking they're just going to fill the gap. Right. And then they end up falling in love with dental technology or they end up saying, you know what, this is not for me. So yes, you have all these different students and you have to keep them interested. And it's not like we're trying to separate fixed from removable or implants or CAD, but we're trying to rather, you know, uh, show them all the ropes of dental technology and tell them, you know what, go through it, learn as much as you can from everybody and then pick and choose, uh, you know, at the end of the two years where you really want to specialize or you want to go ahead and learn more on everything. So uh, we really encourage the students to be, you know, kind of a global thinkers and thinking, you know, the more I know, the better for me and the more I can offer my future employer and be more marketable at the end of the day.
0: Absolutely. Great answer. That is a great answer. I mean, that is exactly what our industry needs. Yeah. More well-rounded, less specific. What about you, Jamie? When you got in there, did you gravitate towards anything or...
3: Well, I think what, at least for me, but what you hear from all the students is I want to do ceramics. I want to be a ceramist. They don't even know necessarily what that means. They'll say like, I want to do veneers. And it's like, oh, what are veneers? They're like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So when I, when I came in, I, before I entered the program, I spoke with some lab owners and I always ended up speaking with ceramists. So that's where I thought I wanted to go with it. Yeah. And then when I got to the program, I did love that. And I also loved the CAD CAM class, but I didn't want to just put my like, you know, like Renata said, pigeonhole myself. Sure. So I kind of really gave everything a shot. And now I was able to use that where I'm both doing ceramics and CAD CAM in my job. Yeah. So I agree that keeping an open mind as they go through the program, people start to relax from that like initial thought and just kind of enjoy everything and just absorb as much information as possible
0: but you wanted nothing to do with removable is what i hear
3: (laughs) well it wasn't my first choice that's not to say that it's not so valuable like learning how to set up the teeth and everything yeah absolutely it just wasn't my calling
0: (laughs) yeah do you find more students joining the school are into removable I've seen like a, a surge in younger removable technicians.
3: I think now that they realize that so much of it is digital, they're getting more excited about it. Yeah. I remember when I was in school, there were very few people excited about dentures. And now that is kind of changing.
0: Mm-hmm. Which
1: it really needs
0: to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you need that. How long ago did you go through the program, Jamie? Hmm.
3: <laughs> I, think, I think I graduated about... Four years ago. Okay. Not long ago, Two years after that, Renata pulled me back in, which I was, you know, a little nervous about. I was like, are you sure about this? I've only been out for two years, but, you know, she's always been so supportive and had faith in me. And, you know, because of that, I was able to really, like, have the confidence to say, oh, I can totally do this.
1: So, Renata, how did you know to call her back? Like, what were you thinking at the time?
2: That was no brainer. I mean, working with Jamie for two years and seeing her drive. She was participating in an NSF project that I that I was running. She was the leader among. So we had four students, two from restorative dentistry and two from mechanical engineering. And Jamie just lead the efforts, and we were doing this project on uh, developing the new implant. And I mean, just she just took it off. She went to the dentists and the surgeons, and she was finding information, and she was very intuitive. Uh, pulled out a lot of research on it and presented places, and was just such a you know leader from the very beginning and very understanding. She also came with a bachelor degree, so to teach in our program, you have to have obviously experience. You need to be a CET, but you also need to have a bachelor degree. So having that under her belt and now being in the lab and doing digital and hands on. And and also, you know, I, I believe she had the RG at the time already completed. So you have like two years to complete your CET since you start teaching. I mean, uh, she was one of those, you know, A stars. Rock stars. Pull her right back as soon as you could.
1: So when you asked her back, what were you thinking that you wanted her to do?
2: Whatever she would feel comfortable in, honestly, because we have a couple of full-time faculty that sort of specialize in either fixed or removable or whatnot, and our adjunct faculty, part-timers, you know, we pull them for whatever needs we have, but we always have needs in removable, fixed, ortho, and implants, so uh, her skills were already, in CAD, you know, she was already doing CAD, and she was hands-on, you know, in the lab, so that was a perfect background to teach. Wow.
0: So that's what you teach now, Jamie, is the CAD class?
3: I teach both the CAD class, I teach the lab, and then I also teach the three levels of fixed prosthodontics, and I am also lecturing now for the fixed prosthodontics, which has been really cool to get into lecturing this semester.
2: This is the first time I think Jamie doing lectures, so uh, how do you like lecturing versus in the lab we do hands-on work, but... In a lecture, you have to simply, you know, present the theory, but it's tougher because then you have students asking questions and you have to be ready for that. So I was just wondering how Jamie likes lecturing because that's a tougher job.
3: Great question. I actually really like it. It is more work for sure because you're not just showing up. I was on for two hours last night from like until 830 on a Saturday night with students because we have a quiz coming up. And they wanted to review. <laughs> so it's it's definitely more work, but I do really enjoy it. I feel like I'm tr- trying to make the class my own and going along, you know, as, as we're going, it's kind of evolving. It is so much information for them to digest in such a short period of time. So that's been the challenge for me is making sure that they're not getting so overwhelmed. Yeah. But I am really, really enjoying it. And then on the other hand, I do love the lab as well. That's when you can get the students excited about it is like when they're doing the hands on stuff and you're guiding them through it and trying to build their confidence as they go. It's a great balance to see it from both ends.
0: So you spent two hours on a Saturday night? (laughs) Yeah. Was that like a scheduled class or
3: was this like a bonus? Do you guys usually have class on Saturday night? No, no. This was just a couple of students reached out and said, oh, we have this big quiz coming up next week and we don't feel like we're ready. Can you help us? And that was the time they chose.
1: (laughs) So So was that like face to face or was that online?
3: That was online,
1: um, you know, like on Zoom. So what did you go through? Help me out. Two hours. So did you just go through everything and they just fired questions at you or?
3: Yeah, kind of that. We went through the review sheet. I kind of bulked out the review sheet, changing the quiz up, and they just wanted to make sure they were covering every specific thing and understanding. You know, it's it's just so much
2: information. Yeah. But I I think when the students ask a teacher, you know, for help, this is when the true learning happens. Because when you bring them to the classroom, they oftentimes in different moods, or they're not ready, or they're not truly listening, or they're distracted by something. But when they come to you and they ask you questions, you just gotta grab them at that point, you know, and soak mm. all that knowledge in. And what Jamie did yesterday is like just this. This just shows her passion, you know. That's the reason why I wanted her there. She's just perfect for it.
3: <laughs> it's. I feel like it's not just me though. I feel like all the instructors at the school are like really responsive to students who want to put in more work. That's how it was when I was there. It was very much. And this is in most industries, but especially in this one, you get out of it what you put in. So when we see someone who is like, you know, really committed, we want to encourage that and like respond to that with, you know, meet them at their level.
0: Absolutely. It's easy to be lost if you're not encouraged. Oh, yeah. Do you teach 3Shape or is
3: it ExoCAD or do you cover both? We teach 3Shape. Okay. Uh, and I think it's, it's such a good program to start with because you have like the, basically like the tree that you follow mm-hmm. as you go along. And I want to do more with it. Uh, when we were in Chicago, I was having conversation with someone from 3Shape and he was really excited about, you know, engaging more in the education. And I, I'd i really like to see this kind Absolutely. of yeah. Yeah, build on even more.
1: So how do you prepare your students? Like, does the school itself have the content and you deliver the content Or do they have the content and you have a mix where you bring your own content?
3: So basically we follow the like syllabus that's set out by NBC. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's like based on the Air Force manual mostly. Kind of like the... Which has
0: tons of three shape in it, I'm sure. So much three shape.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So that's like the basis, right, for the RG and CDT exams. So I've been trying to really... And I've seen Renata do this too, where she'll infuse things in that aren't necessarily just locked in. So I have been going through and revamping where we had a presentation on model work and I added like a whole bunch of slides on the digital process and how that would work there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. trying to prepare them realistically for what they're going to encounter and not just prepare them nice. for the exams.
1: That's so smart. So they're learning a lot from what you have in the real world not that that's not the real world, but I mean, you know, so they get the extra benefit of the brain and the fact that you're out in it.
3: Yeah, I'll I'll sometimes pause and go, "Okay, real talk." I'm, <laughs> I'm like like don't do this in a in a lab setting.
0: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so when you graduated, did the school place you in a lab or did your mom place you in a lab or your brother?
3: So it was indirectly from the school. Uh-huh. We have between our first and second year of the program we have an externship which the students are set up for Mm -hmm. and they spend some time at a lab just kind of shadowing people learning how workflows go and how everything functions in harmony so when i went for the summer i went to a commercial lab and i was like okay great i've got that experience but now i really want to see what an in-house lab is all about yeah so over the winter break i spoke to nick manos one of the greatest guys ever he's instructor there and I said, all right, you set me up at the commercial. I want to spend my winter break seeing an in-house. He called up Adam Malescu. He's a ceramist. He's become a, a bit of a mentor for me now. I work with him. And he said, I've got a student. I'm sending her over. And I shadowed there for the winter break. And then ultimately, when I graduated, I was connected. Adam connected me with someone. So I started working at a commercial lab through him. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, six weeks later, one of the doctors calls me and he's like, I'm pulling you in. You're going to start a digital for us. And I was like, you know, I am totally green. And he's like, yeah, you're a go-getter. You'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) And I basically, from the ground up, built a digital department. And I've been there for four years now. I guess technically I'm the digital dentistry supervisor because I'm just wearing so many hats. It's more than just designing. Mm-hmm. But I would never have found that place had it not been for the introduction that I sure. got from the instructors.
1: So how do you build a digital lab? Like, what did you add? You know, what was on your list? Did he help you and let you know what he wanted? Or did you just come in and go for it? Oh, he had no idea
0: what
3: he you went out and got
0: dental wings, right?
3: <laughs> dental wings, exactly. Yeah, I was like, yeah. It's <laughs> like, this is the best. This is what you want. <laughs> you know, so they already had three shape. And they had like an ancient computer. So I you know, I was like, okay, we need a new, a new computer. Sure. And at the time, what they were doing was they, for anything that was a digital material, they were waxing it up, sending it out to a different lab. They were milling it, sending it back to us, and then they were doing the finishing. It was, it was like a very backwards analog, yeah, yeah, a little. So when I came, I started doing all the designing and I'm still at this point finishing over 50% of the work on my own, maybe 75. And then the ceramists will do the single centrals and the buildups and things like that. And then now it's an in-house lab in Manhattan. So we really do have a tight space. So we still had been outsourcing all the manufacturing, but now this month we should be getting our mill and our printer all the things so we can start manufacturing it. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, except (laughs) I'm really excited, except I'm still the only one doing it. Oh, yeah. So so they're like, this is going to be faster now, right? And I'm like, no, this is going to slow me down.
1: (laughs) What mill did you get and what printer? I'm just curious.
3: We got these Sega Max, Ah. which I'm super psyched for. And we got a Roland, just really compact. And it's going to be... We're really hoping. If you know any technicians, <laughs> trying to hire people in Manhattan. In Manhattan, yeah. how hard is
0: it to find technicians in Manhattan?
3: I think it's the same way everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. It's just right now, everyone is. Uh, everyone I call up is like, I'm like, hey, do you know anyone? And they're like, no, but do you? Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing this since the summer of last year, so I, I think everyone's kind of in the same boat. Yeah. You're not alone. I see a lot of labs, every single one. Everywhere.
1: I, swear,
0: if I know of anybody.
3: Literally. Everywhere. Yeah.
1: So do you guys do mostly zirconia or Emax or removable?
3: We only do fixed in-house. It's, it's a prostoperio office. Okay. So I'd say 70, at least what I'm doing 75 or more is implant supported. Wow. So that's zirconia, PMMA. Yep. But we still do some Emax. Do a lot of PFM's? So so many PFM's (laughs) (laughs) on your dental wings. Yeah, no. I think that was a big shift when I came over. Yeah, get rid of them. Yeah, it was a (laughs) it was a huge pivot for them to really just devote themselves to zirconia for all these implant
0: smart implants. Renata, do you still teach PFM's? You guys mentioned you talk, you have a whole class on metal.
2: Yes, unfortunately, we still have metal. (laughs) <laughs> we, no, we still have metal, but at the educators meeting literally last week or week before we spoke about it that, you know, we still teaching metal and we need to really shift to digital and th- that conversation has been going on for number of years is just, you know, when it comes to academia, it's not like the corporate world or laboratory world where you have funds for everything, or it's much easier to, you mm-hmm. know, devote the funds to new technologies so we are still struggling with adding the new technologies and incorporating them. If we don't have that, we can't incorporate it into the curriculum. So we're still running on a lot of analog projects. But I would, just like Jamie, would love to see more digital infused into many more classes.
1: So when you go to those educators meetings and you and you have these conversations, how does it evolve? Like, do do you guys talk about going out to manufacturers and and trying to get them to donate equipment or like where, where do those conversations go? The
2: manufacturers go for individual programs. They individual programs really just have ties with manufacturers in their areas because we are so spread out. There's 13 programs left that are CODA accredited. There are a few programs that are sort of uh, private programs uh, not accredited. But the last program that actually discontinued was the Portland Community College, and they discontinued in February 2021, so a year ago. Hmm. And when you think about it, we had about 20 programs in 2010, and now we are down to 13 programs. And, you know, who knows how it's going to look like after the COVID pandemic, although with the infusion of the federal funds, it was very, very helpful so we are still surviving, but many programs, you know, have a hard time, and and they not run like our big program in New York City. there's oftentimes, you know, one or two or a couple of faculty members who are also program directors, and just like Jamie stretching herself thin in the lab, you know, the faculties and the program directors are also stretched thin. So we'll see what happens, but. When it comes to the infusion of digital, oftentimes we talk about it. We definitely want to make these changes. We want to prepare the students for what industry requires at this point, what is looking for. But again, is the faculty training and technology that needs to be there for us to, to make changes to the curriculum. And the latest, the biggest change that have happened was CODA standards, Commission on Dental Accreditation, which accredits the 13 programs. And for those who don't know uh, about CODA, CODA also accredits all the dental and dental hygiene dental assisting programs across the country. So mm. we have we were able to successfully implement changes to CODA standards and they went in effect in January of 2022, so this year, and the biggest change was changing fixed prostodontics and ceramics to just fixed prostodontics. So now you're not limited to doing metal and then ceramics. You can now implement, uh, you know, the materials of choice and we can move more towards all, you know, all ceramic and the technologies that we can implement or the projects. We are not bound to, you know, soldering or casting or anything like this. We can use nice. new technology. So those changes in code standards are definitely going to allow us to tweak things and make them more beneficial for students and industry. Another thing is the NBC um, work test analysis and then RG and and CDT examination. We still have to tailor to that. So the faculty had questions about, you know, still teaching PFMs because they are still on CDT exams. So as long as we have CDT tied to certain requirements, we are going to try to, you know, comply with those standards for the profession And teach so the students, the the graduates, uh, can also comply with those standards and they can pass those exams. So perhaps some changes could be made there to put more more emphasis on maybe the techniques or the variety of materials rather than being stuck on maybe certain types of materials.
1: So it sounds like there's a lot of connecting of the dots in order to move forward. (laughs) Yeah, I had no idea. For us, we
2: we kind of look at the broader pictures and we're trying to, you know, combine CODA and the professional standards, which are the CDT exam at this point, and, you know, make sure that we prepare students for everything. And remember, we only have two years. (laughs) So I think we still do miracles as much as, you know, some don't think that dental technology education within the United States is valid and whatnot. I think we still do miracles on a daily basis, graduating our students, Within the two years, with the knowledge of uh, all six aspects of our profession, and you, yeah. know, you know the materials, the morphology, occlusion, and all the extras.
1: Agree, and I've been to your college, and it's absolutely amazing. And all of the updates and everything you guys did when you moved into your new building—that has to be wonderful. Yeah, nice and clean and new and oh.
2: and bright. We love it.
3: Yeah. Barbara, you probably don't remember this, but I was at the school one time you came and you spoke. Oh, no way. Yeah. And I remember being like, this is really kick. There's like a woman coming here and she's like, loves what she's doing. And that was really encouraging for me because, because at the time Renata was one of the only female instructors I'd been interacting with. So to see, you know, one of her friends come and be really excited. I was like, Okay. All right. This could work. (laughs) Thank
1: you. What did you talk about, Barb? Oh, Heather and I both came and we just kind of ran them through how, you know, the laboratories work and, you know, what we do and what we offer. And it was kind of just a presentation that we did. And it was fascinating though, because we got to see every single one of the classes and they brought us through, you know, the CAD CAM area and the denture area. And we got to meet all the students and it was super exciting for both of us, too. That was one of my best times ever. I need to come back, yes, by the way. You
2: need to come and see the new facilities, both of you. You're always excited. Yeah. And just like Jamie said before, that she got her job indirectly through the program. Like my friendship with Barbara and Elvis comes from working on the national boards, you know, NBC Foundation mm-hmm. and all that. And that's what I want to encourage, too, you know, those who are listening. There are open seats on the boards, but it's a lot more than just, you know, volunteering your expertise on the board. It's the friendships you develop and the connections you make that are just life lasting and wonderful and influence others. Like Jamie said, you know, it was wonderful to meet Barbara when she came to the program.
1: I actually have Heather. Morris, Rachel, coming to Night Dental Thursday, uh, Friday, and Saturday, and we're going to be doing another NBC uh, task analysis and review of questions. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. That's this weekend. Very cool. Just for an update, like we still, you know, go over the questions and you know, just update, update, update. For those that are listening, sometimes we hear that you know it's it's not updated, but we're constantly doing things to make those exams
0: better and more relevant.
2: Yeah. That's-
0: Get rid of all those PFM questions, man. Just <laughs> mark them off. We're not <laughs> as over it. I just want to
2: reiterate that if Coda was able to make those changes, then maybe the industry can look at it and combine sort of the ceramics with the fixed prostodontics, or you know, make something to that effect, and have a broader section that includes all. There is place for metal, obviously. And P- oh yeah,
0: never stop teaching it.
2: Right. You still need to know that. But there's such an infusion of new technologies and methodologies and and materials that you just need to make space somewhere for that, too.
0: Sure. You only got
1: two years. Yeah. So, Jamie, how in the hell do you make time to run a lab and lecture and teach?
2: She's a superwoman.
0: And give up Saturdays (laughs) and Sundays for podcasts. (laughs) I am...
2: Yeah.
3: I I think my, everyone in my personal life thinks I'm absolutely nuts. (laughs) Even people at the lab think I'm crazy, but it is a little hard to strike that balance when I'm working full-time at the lab and also at the school. It's just, I don't know. I think I'm at that point, especially entering the industry late where I feel like I just have to grind it out and just give everything I've got. And then maybe there'll be a light at the end of the tunnel where I won't have to work, you know, this many hours a week, but I really I really think it's worth it because it's so different coming to the school. It's like a great change of pace and if I've had a really stressful day, it's very grounding to come and see it from the other side. I always kind of feel reinvigorated afterwards because I'm going to the school and getting the students excited and I'm remembering what I really love about it.
1: Yeah. And totally see that. How many days do you teach?
3: I'll be there like most of the day Tuesday until the evening and then Thursday nights.
0: Okay. And Saturdays. Yeah. (laughs) He keeps throwing in that Saturday. Yeah. That's dedication.
3: I, I think it's just like, you know, as needed. Yeah. But then the other half of it too, is that yes, I'm pushing myself to put my time and energy into a lot of different areas. But there's so many instructors that are actually doing the same or even or like so much more than I do. So it feels in step with the people around me. Like I'm running a department at the lab, but others are full on running businesses. They're like lab owners and people like Danny Alter, who's a full timer and travel selector and executive editor of IDT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But somehow like always picks up my phone calls when I'm asking for advice, which is pretty often. So if he can do that for me, I feel like I can do that for students on a Saturday night. He's also in politics too, isn't he? Yeah. He's got a lot going on. He's so <laughs> busy. It's crazy. And then even out of a formal academic setting, for instance, everyone in the Three shape study group on Facebook who takes so much time out of their days, like unpaid time just to help people, like especially Min Tran, Mark Dixon, and Subhan Polarian, who have been lifesavers for me when I was starting out and still today, like all the time helping me. So knowing how much all these texts juggle both in and out of formal academic settings to make teaching something that they have time to do gives me motivation and confidence that I can do the same and pay it forward.
0: Yeah, you're not the first person to mention how great of help that group has been they are
3: amazing and then you then you just like meet so many great people in there like i would never have been able to just like figure it out without yeah yeah without being able to lean on them it was a game changer
0: youtube videos only last so long no
3: and you cannot ask (laughs) why in a youtube video
0: yep and those guys know exactly why
3: yeah totally and they'll also set you up to be where they know that you're going to have to figure some part out on your own, but they'll like set you on that path. And then because you were able to get to it on your own, now you know it even better.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. How many are in the school right now? What's your graduating class look like?
2: How many? We actually, we we used to take about 60 students. Last year, we took about 50. Just because CODA standards, like I said, because of the changes, they also changed the ratio between the faculty and the students. So we used to have one faculty to 15 students. Now we have one faculty to 12 students. So wow. because we run like four sections of 15, we had to lower it to 12. So now we can't really accept that many students. And so we had to lower it to about 48, 50 students to comply mm-hmm. with the CODA standards. So uh, our enrollment has been lowered, but not because we didn't have enough students. We actually had... A waiting list uh, this year and last year.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that
2: was really beautiful. And I feel that COVID also opened new possibilities for people to look into the health professions more, as that's going to be something needed in the future. And more and more interest is being sparked, although maybe not with all the programs across the country, but definitely with ours. Yeah.
1: How do you guys attract students? Or do students just gravitate that direction? Do you have like anything out there explaining what it is?
2: Yes. Yeah, so we have the new video on our website at New York City College of Technology Restorative Dentistry site. We have the new videos of what, you know, entails to be a dental technician. We also give links to National Association of Dental Laboratories, NBC. And when the students reach out to us, we also give them links and, you know, we, we talk to them or, converse with them in writing to show them what the profession is all about. When I used to see the students and talk to them in person, I would hand them the LMT magazine, which they send us copies every month for our students to go through. So this way they can you know, open the magazine that's professional magazine and see what's going on in the profession. But we also have three high schools within uh, our area on Staten Island, in Brooklyn, and in Manhattan. There are three high schools that sort of teach dental technology. and Oh, you're kidding me. Really? Well, yeah, they have a program and the students find out about dental technology, dental assisting, dental hygiene. And so they come for trips, although COVID have stopped them. Yeah. So they come for trips. They go through our programs, and sometimes we get few students from these programs. Wow. Then also, like I said, dental hygiene. Oftentimes, you know, they always swamp with with students wanting to get to that program, and when they can't get into that program because, let's say, their GPA will never be high enough, like they get four O's, you know, all the time or close to it. Mm-hmm. They tell the students there are other health programs within. Our institution, and they mention to them our program, and oftentimes they come to us and they take our program oh that's great yeah, so so a lot of uh, influences there also people come like I always ask in my first class, you know how did you find out about us? They browse through the internet, they find about us, or word of mouth you know somebody knows somebody who is a dental tech or they have family members through different different venues.
0: How many heard you on the podcast <laughs> and signed up for the school?
2: You know, we do do get students who actually do listen to podcasts. I had a student from military. She came, she joined us and she said, I heard about you guys on the podcast and I came. So that was awesome. Yay. Wow. (laughs) So you guys are famous out there. And for that, we are really thankful. And I have to tell you, every time I listen to your podcast, like Jamie goes and says, you know, in a classroom, you get boost i get that boost in the classroom but you guys you really motivate me and really spark the interest and bring me up to you know do more do better so i really applaud you for that
1: Ah, thank Thank you you. four years later four years in a row
2: yes (laughs) hoping for another four or 40 years (laughs) <laughs> you say that bar but you love it i, I, love I do it love it you. absolutely
1: yeah you're right
2: you're <laughs> such a force you know you yourself are such a force
0: oh thank you we have people remembering you speaking years later yeah yeah that's cool
1: that's super like cool. i said that was one of my my highlights of my career was going there as well so it was definitely mutual and i think like-minded People feel that from each other,
0: and that's how we just get inspired, and so thank you.
3: Yeah, definitely made an impression.
0: So, Jamie, when you're teaching classes, are you seeing those students that remind them of you? huh. Those ones that are really kind of...
3: Oh, definitely. You know,
0: out there to, to take as much as they can?
3: Yeah, definitely, and you, you can tell pretty quickly...
0: Can you? Yeah.
3: ...who's really into it and who's so motivated, and then you see the other people who... When they came in, weren't there yet. And then as a program goes, they're like, oh, wait, this is actually amazing. So I immediately try to nurture the people who come excited, but then everyone else treat them the same way because realizing that they might get there also. Yeah. It just, once they know more about it. Takes some
0: time. I bet you, you see students coming in, like Renata said, from all facets of why they're there. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. Do most know what... Dental technology is. Or are they more there just for other reasons?
2: Some of them know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would say majority don't.
0: <laughs> really?
3: Yeah. There, like, I have a student now who didn't get into the hygiene program, and an advisor recommended she check this out, and she was like, "I am so glad I didn't get into hygiene because this makes so much more sense for me. I'm really into art, and like getting to work with my hands is is super cool." But she had no idea what this was before she signed up for it
0: yeah that's great that's got to be a good feeling on your end to nurture somebody into the field
3: yeah absolutely
0: so you mentioned earlier you're looking for employees why aren't you hiring students (laughs) (laughs) um conflict of interest yeah
3: (laughs) i mean once they graduate i think right now hiring a a part-time student would be challenging just spatially Mm -hmm. we have to commit to someone it's just such a tight office but yeah once they graduate I had conversations with some of the graduated students from last year, but, you know, everyone has a job or they've moved. Yeah. That's another thing. Everyone moves away.
1: What's it like having a dental lab in downtown Manhattan? (laughs) Because I love New York. Is it amazing? Are you
3: like on the hundredth floor of some building? Uh, We're in Midtown East and we are on the 32nd floor. Oh my God, how cool. It is a very cool view. I have a window right next to my bench. So it is very cool being up there. But I'm also like pretty biased. I love the city and I've lived in New York my whole life. So it's really for me. And I I think for anyone, it's just such an exciting place to be. But you got to have that hustle. Oh yeah,
1: no doubt about that. How close are you to the park? Uh,
3: We're actually very close to Central Park from where we are.
1: That's my Zen place. Yeah. I love it there.
3: Before, um, during COVID, I used to be uptown in Harlem and we were just two blocks from the park. So that was amazing to have that outlet to be able to go outside and go to the park. Yeah. Now I'm in Brooklyn, but... You know, there's a lot to offer everywhere.
0: Yeah. I feel bad for the person that's going to move a rolling mill up 32 floors. I was thinking that too, <laughs> We had to take it down one flight of stairs and it was a hard day. Yeah, I was thinking that too.
2: I have elevator. They have elevators in the city, so it's probably much easier to do it in the city than it is. I know, but still.
3: Yeah, that's true. The elevators would would make it easier.
1: (laughs) I know Elvis way too well because I I was thinking the same (laughs) damn thing, and I was going to ask that. I'm like, is that tough? 32 flights up?
0: Wow.
2: (laughs) I can almost feel your pain, Elvis, when you said
0: that. (laughs) You've seen me. So, what's the school working on? What's exciting? What's the new thing?
2: I think reopening after COVID and letting people in would be really, really exciting, you know bringing the,
0: Are you still not?:
2: Bringing the speakers? I mean, we are still dealing with putting down the mandates because we just got rid of the mandate about the masks. However, we are still encouraged to wear masks. Mm-hmm. There are still mandates on vaccines and things like that. So, you know, it's still trickling down, especially in big places, big workplaces. You know, people are still afraid. So we're going through opening up the doors, but there are still processes in place to get people into the door. So we really didn't have any visitors. And in fact, you know, many of the classes, especially the lectures were held online. So now we're trying to get back to the classrooms and, and hold, you know, hybrid classes and so on. So just trying to figure out getting back to, to the new normal and bringing people back in or, or having people join us through webinars and students starting to attend, you know, which everything was kind of uh, all over the place for a while would be great. And, and then changing the curriculum and bringing more digital, having more equipment now that we have infusion of federal funds, hopefully we get some more funding to infuse it to CAD
1: so when you say that, like, what are you looking to do? Do you have a vision in your mind of what kind of equipment and things that you want to bring in to do some updating?
2: Oh, we already have the three shape, right? So it would be great to continue with the three shape and have m- more computers. We have computers for one of the laboratories, which has 18 ben- benches. We have three of those. And then there is one computer lab with 18 benches. So Right now, we just have a computer lab available, but that's just one session that can run. And then the three labs, we're waiting to install the computers and have more computers being purchased. So if we had more computers in the three labs that are hands-on labs right now, yeah. it would be wonderful to be able to bring more CAD CAM projects. If we don't have those computers, then we only have one lab available with the computers and with 3Shape that we can really allow students to work on projects and that's not enough yeah that makes sense
3: yeah it would really be great to have more we're actually running we do have a computer lab but three shapes actually installed on laptops so the laptops is just running on wi-fi and then the students have been remoting in from home into Mm. those laptops so it has not been the best situation working remotely from it and talking to three shape kind of about finding solutions how we could improve that remote learning Mm. with them but well, we also have a mill already. We have a 3D printer. We have a three shape e series scanner. So we have a lot of the hardware in place. We just need to be able to integrate it more yeah. into the classes. Like instead of doing PFMs, we could be doing PFZs and have them designing the copings and milling out zirconia. Just like having all these options that are a little more realistic for what they would see when they exit the program. Yeah.
0: Do you get a lot of equipment from donations from companies?
2: We had in the past. However, when it comes, you know, to to updated, more modern equipment, the, the current equipment, it's tough, yeah. you know, it's tough to get because there's a lot of programs that need that and you can work on the deals. We do have the licenses from TreeShape. I believe they, they allow us to use them free of charge every year. Well, we do get, this is certainly a significant donation, you know, so we do get donations at times. We do get some materials. GC and some other companies have donated over the time and, you know, they call us, they say we have a donation. So if there's anything we can use in the classroom, we are welcome it with open arms. So we definitely had donations in the past, but to get the specific things that we need at the moment and that are you know, brand new. It's its hard to get.
0: Well, this is our plea. We want our industry to continue. We want it to be educated. And I think we need to ask our vendors and our partners in our industry that want to continue doing business with our industry to help support the next generation. Donate to these schools. Yes, definitely.
2: Thank you so much, Elvis and Barbara. This is a wonderful plea. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. And our students are thankful for yeah. it. Yeah.
0: We all complain about lack of technicians and lack of education and blah, blah, blah. Well, this is how we can help. Exactly.
2: Definitely. Thank you so much for all your help.
0: I will send you my old laptop. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jamie? You ever consider teaching full time? Oh, God. <laughs> He's probably like, wow.
3: Maybe down the road. It would be really hard to walk away from the bench. Especially it'd be really hard to walk away from where I am now. It's just like I get to see patients every day, doing all the photographing them for custom shades, doing the treatment plans hand in hand with the doctors. and
0: That's special.
3: Yeah. It was a really steep and quick learning curve to kind of catch up to speed with them. And I don't know. I, I love working from the you know I love doing the ceramics and the finishing and I love the designing so and I love being involved with the doctors like there's so many opportunities yeah. with them like I've been helping do research for you know like all these papers they're publishing and oh, wow uh, yeah so I'm kind of getting to be involved in like so many different branches of it but maybe if I get really really tired eventually <laughs> <laughs> I'll go back I'll get a masters and then I'll do full time <laughs>
1: Do you get to work with the patients with the docs?
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We go in and do consultations and then the treatment plan is kind of a joint problem-solving venture with the doctors. And the doctors I work with, they're very high-end prostodontists probably name and periodontists probably names that you might know. And so getting to learn from them directly has been like a real privilege.
1: So I was always told prostodontists were like, you know, pain in the asses, if you will. What what has your experience been with them?
3: <laughs> well, I think that with any doctor there's like a certain amount of control they want to hold on to. But I think the lab that I walked into it has had so much success before I came in that they really trust us and they trust our opinions and our approach. So that is, yeah. I don't know if that's a unique situation, but it's been my experience. I
1: think it is. And I love hearing that.
2: But you know, when you go uh, to the meetings with the prostodontists, like we have the NGS meeting and they always invite our students and dental students and I cannot tell you how many times I hear thank yous coming from those high-end prosthodontists and how much they appreciate the technicians and the labs for making them look good. You know, for those who get it, and uh, they, they do yeah. appreciate good work. And you are much better technician for it because they appreciate you, but they also want you to do the best. So as much as they might be paying in the ass, they pay in the ass for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: And yeah. then you get that feedback. Like when, if a case went well or a case did not go well, like you're going to find out about it. And like, that's validating when you do well and like a great learning experience when you don't. Yeah. So it's worth it for me. I can take the criticism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's constructive. Yeah. I
2: think Jamie has like a perfect scenario right now. And I don't know, Jamie, if you realize that or not, but you are in a field working with like-minded people, and you feel great at you know at your work. then you come and you teach with the students, and that like uh, put you in a different kind of mode, and you are on both spectrums and you you get the best of all worlds when you think about it. So when you ask somebody if they would want to do a full time teaching and I'm a full time teacher now for eighteen years, I had to let go of sitting at that bench because it just became too much being a full-time teacher and being involved in all the committees and all the work that that required by the academia and research and publications and and students and teaching so i'm just i would just would say to jamie enjoy it for as long as it lasts (laughs) and make it the best you can you know you're doing great and you are just a rock star
1: Oh. still giving great advice Renata
2: ah. <laughs> always awesome.
3: thank you yeah. I, I appreciate always that. the mentor always yeah. she's been great with that and I know I'm, I'm very lucky and it's come down to just having some opportunities that I'm I feel very privileged to have had and mostly through through people like Renata who puts faith in me
0: oh I'm feeling the love ladies
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> how much do you teach from the outside world in your lab to your students is it different than what you expected
3: I guess since I went through the program I I knew what to expect and what was being taught yeah and then just kind of trying to trying to bring more of that outside into it has been like part of my goal
0: sure because I imagine you probably didn't get that going through I don't know if the other professors had outside jobs too
3: you get it somewhat. You do. Um, a lot of the adjuncts are working at labs themselves, okay. their own labs. So you do get that, that aspect of it.
2: But also the full timers had experience in the real world. So, you know, you, you come, you speak from experience and the questions that students sometimes ask, well, some questions are more advanced than others. And if you don't know, you know, if you haven't worked in a lab at the bench, you're just not going to be able to provide that and the students will know. Yeah. Will give you; They will grade you accordingly as they grade the, the faculty as well. So all the faculty had experience in the field and can provide that kind of input, but definitely like Jamie being infused in it right now, you know, day in and day out and bringing that into the education uh, in everyday classes, it's definitely a huge plus for the students.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could walk into the class that day and say, well, I just had a day where it cracked in the oven six times. Let's talk about it, <laughs> you know. <No> <laughs> it's real-life situations you get to teach.
2: Oh, no, we do We do get mistakes. You know, students make mistakes in the, in the class, and uh, things break in the class, and I always stop the class and say, okay, now everybody, let's learn from each other. So like, Don't <laughs> worry, I'm not, you know, singling you out, but yeah i always tell them ask me why ask the question why be the five-year-old you know that learns for the first time why things happen why things break and crack and how they influence each other so we all have that as, as instructors in our background
0: the best way to learn is through failure True that. i love when
2: my students make mistakes because then we really learn you're right
0: <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on the podcast Especially on a Sunday, ladies. Yes, we appreciate work.
1: Well, same
2: goes for you. Thank you for accommodating us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having us.
1: i really enjoyed talking to you both.
3: As always.
0: As always. As always. we, We appreciate what you're doing there in the school. Like you mentioned, it's a lot less schools than there used to be. So we have to really take care of the schools that are left. Yes, we do.
2: And we are happy to send our graduates your way.
0: So if anyone's looking for employees, you got a pool right there.
2: (laughs) Yes, please. Yeah, we always get uh, information who needs what in the industry. And we oftentimes do multiple advertisements of labs and offers from multiple states. And just wish we had more graduates for everybody. But um, anybody who needs a new technician's or are willing to train especially, please contact the school that's closest to you or a school that's even far away and advertise with them because they will provide you this complimentary service and you never know which one of their current graduates or graduating students is willing to move and where. So you might find somebody who has the knowledge, needs needs more experience, but is willing to move and, and you might be able to find that employee you're looking for so definitely contact the programs
3: and i will say this also about our students and i'm sure it's with the other schools as well is that they're so hardworking. yeah and that even if you have to train them like they're there for it they're gonna put in the effort like they went through the whole program for a reason And so they're ready to give you everything they have. Yeah.
0: They
2: already invested.
0: Absolutely. That's awesome. So everyone, contact your school.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you can find the schools at CODA website, Commission on Dental Accreditation. You just look for allied dental programs and dental laboratory technology. And you'll see a contact information for all program directors to all 13 schools. Thank you. Yeah. NBC has also the link to programs that are accredited and non-accredited.
0: There you go. There's no excuses now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend and we'll talk to you later.
3: Thanks again. Thank you. you.
0: Bye. Bye. Did you know that most in-lab MCX5 users that have ordered burrs from Grow3X once keep on ordering Grow3X burrs over and over again? No way. You know what? I didn't know that. Why do you think that is, Elvis? I think it's because Grow3X burrs are engineered by some of the same folks who have been providing burrs to some of the largest U.S. production labs for years. Did you also know that most Rollins and DG Shape
1: users have no idea what they are missing out on?
0: Well, I think I can guess what they're missing out on.
1: You are right. Most Roland and DG Shape users have absolutely no idea how good and great Grow3X burrs are because they think that the Grow3X burrs are only for the in-lab systems. Well,
0: they are wrong. wrong.
1: (laughs) To give Roland and DG Shape users the opportunity to find out for themselves how great the burrs are for their machines, Grow3X is now offering a buy three, get two burrs free special. This is exclusively for Voices from the Bench listeners, you guys. So please
0: go support them. So all you simply have to do is go to the Grow3X website. That's Grow3X.com. Click on Burrs, then select Roland and DG Shape. Add five burrs of your choice to your cart. Click on Checkout. Enter the discount code B3G2. That is. B as in boy, the number three, G as in girl, the number two, burrs, and check out.
1: That's awesome. You know what? We actually have a code, Elvis. Boom. That was easy, guys. Go for it. Free burrs. Use them and use them well.
0: And we appreciate your support of the podcast, Grow3x. Thank
1: you. A huge thanks to Renata Budney and Jamie for coming on our podcast to talk about all of the amazing things you guys are doing at your school and your education in general. It's amazing. We couldn't be happier to have Renata back on, oh my God, year after year after year to celebrate with us and talk about the importance of good accredited schools for dental labs. And what she is doing is not easy. And I might add, because I've had many conversations with her about that, But choosing passionate people like Jamie to help bring them on and teach certainly adds another level of amazing to the program. And we are serious when we say that the companies, manufacturers, vendors in our industry really do need to kind of get in there and help support them. Donating equipment, products, information, and money is super important to ensure that the next generation of technicians are educated and ready to enter a lab to buy your equipment and your products. So hello, everybody is looking for qualified technicians to hire, and there still are a handful of schools left, and they're graduating many, many amazing technicians every year. You guys, Renata, you're amazing. We love you. Jamie, thank you for coming on as well.
0: And I also put up a link on this episode, show notes, to a list of all the accredited schools that are done by CODA. So it's a really interesting list. Check it out. Yeah.
1: There's not many left, but they are amazing.
0: Yeah, it's a good resource for labs to go look for those next employees. All right, all right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week and <laughs> to another four years. Bye. <laughs> yes, I
2: <yes>.
0: Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.